your friend's house. You're parched, and just when you thought they can quench your thirst, they're pouring water into a Ziploc bag. You're confused, perplexed, flummoxed. You're not sure what to do in this situation. This is no way to drink water. You've just been honored at the office. A celebratory toast is in order. The alcohol is poured into a Ziploc bag. This is no way to drink vodka. You're a freshman on campus. You're looking to join a fraternity. All of the pledges are engaged in a game of beer pong, but the beer is poured into a Ziploc bag. This is no way to drink beer. Listen up, you wild, uncivilized, uncultivated, primitive, barbarian Neanderthals. Introducing Cup. Nani? This innovative cylinder-shaped container will modernize any doofus's household immediately. You just got that promotion at the job? Celebrate with a shot glass. In desperate need for some H2O? Well, you pour that water into that red Solo cup. Looking to add to the experience of drinking out of a cup? Well, you pour that water into a Ziploc bag. What are you waiting for? Order now. For just $14.95, you'll receive one cup and four shot glasses. Just dial 180 Genjutsu and your cup will be on the way. Product. So that was a preview of a recent a, a recent comedy sketch by my guest on this edition of the Evanation Show. He is a YouTube personality. He has over 100,000 YouTube subscribers. He mostly does highlight commentary. It is the one, the only, Mr. Chisel Adonis broadcasting, uh, broadcasting to us from his lot at Hold My Nugget Studios. How are you feeling today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Before we get into the interview portion of the show, we have to pour one out for the homie that didn't make it, the AAF. We hardly knew ye. Only two weeks left into their inaugural season. And the AAF is no more. So the teams that qualify for the playoffs will get no playoffs. Steve Spurrier has already declared himself to be AAF champion because, of course, he did. Uh, what are your thoughts on when you found out that the AAF is no more? Uh, you know, blatant astonishment once I saw it, it was folding. Um, I had a feeling they would have probably been able to finish out the first inaugural season. But to see it end eight weeks through. It was just very surprising. Um, I did not see it coming. I did not see it coming at all. I don't think I don't think anybody did because everything was fine and then it just kind of popped up so that the league might be folding. It's like, what? And the, yeah. thing, and the thing on Twitter of the people are just... Some people are disappointed and the other people are like, haha, I told you this is a bad idea. I told you it wasn't going to work. And I don't understand why people do that. Like, if you're a fan of football, you should have been rooting like crazy for these guys and the XFL to succeed. Because the more opportunities guys get to play, the better it is for everybody. And yeah. I don't understand why people were like, well, who are you kidding? This is never going to work. This is a stupid idea. Like, why would people think that? Yeah, it's just natural pessimist in their, uh, in their home field. That's the way I see it. It's just some people who just don't want to see others succeed because like you said the more football the better for everybody it's like the cfl they have themselves a season over there so if you're interested in seeing more football you can tune in and watch it it's just like wrestling the more companies that continue to grow the more of the product that you get and with football if you're stifled and, and you know stuck in just it's marginalized down to just the nfl you only have that seven-month span of football why not have a successful you know a football league at least in the springtime that will continue to grow these other players to possibly even make it to the NFL. And more importantly, with the AAF, 
They were partnered with the NFL because they were running their games on their networks. You had those uh, same analysts, like guys like Kurt Warner and all those other um, analysts. They were working with the AAF as well. You had direct big name people who were you had Hall of Famer. And somebody like a, a Mike Singletary, a, a Bill Polian, all these guys were involved in the AAF. So why not root for them to succeed? I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess it's, I guess it's just a thing where people just thought it was a dumb idea, and they just kind of decided it was a dumb idea. But you have to, you have to want something like that because some of the top guys in the AAF right now were already getting scooped up by NFL rosters, like Garrett Gilbert who was probably going to be the MVP if they finished out the year, just got picked up by the Cleveland Browns. A couple of guys on the defensive end, Keith Reeser just signed with Kansas City. Uh, mm-hmm. The uniforms were a bit, the uniforms were a bit wonky, but you know, it was a, it was fun, entertaining football. And it's, it's just so disappointing and it's sad to see it go. And, and, and I wish it would have stuck it around for, for at least until the end of the first season. Yeah, agreed. Because the, as you said, some of the players who are getting scooped up, you know, they you would see how they would stick out amongst, you know, the, the pact of what we had thus far. Because even guys like Trent Richardson, although he didn't have huge games, he was able to find his way into the end zone. So many teams in the NFL find themselves in situations when they get in the red zone, they can't punch the ball into the end zone. Although Trent Richardson isn't that great overall, you know, all around back. You could put him inside the five-yard line, and he'll get into the end zone no problem. So players like that, you can find them all over the AAF. And now that it's since been suspended, where else are you going to look now? Now you got to hope you can find somebody through the draft or find a gem in free agency. Or hope that the XFL does the impossible and succeeds. But on a related note to that, let's say you're Vince McMahon, and these guys— were a year early to the market, and they theoretically could have had their pick of anybody who wanted. they wanted. Does mm-hmm. it give you pause that, wait, these guys didn't even last two months. What the hell chance do I have if these guys can't make it? Well, with uh, Vince, I think the, the one positive that he has is just he's pouring his own money um, into it. So it's kind of like an endless pool <laughs> of funding behind him. So he can kind of do what the old WCW used to do with Ted Turner and just throwing money at people and just see how far it can go. But as for seeing the AAF fail, um, they're going to have to figure out a very unique way to you know present things. Because seeing the AAF fail, at least for the, um, the XFL, you can look at it two different ways. It could be one, uh, how do I stand a chance? Or what did they do wrong that I can do right? And uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, 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 putting the camera on the field and kind of shielding the lack of attendance, Vince McMahon knows how to do that best. So he'll never have it to where it appears that people aren't in the stands. He'll have the right camera angles to make you think, oh, it's a packed house. Now, for the product on the field, that's where the disconnect is going to come, because ultimately football is football. When you have bad players the product is going to look bad. So he's got to be able to scoop up those good players and put out good quality football. And he probably can because there's going to be a good chunk of those AAF guys that don't get picked up that are still going to want to play. So there's going to be mm-hmm. some so there's going to be some bleed over there. Right. Uh, it's just it's so disappointing. We got to pull one out again. Uh, and the, they brought back the starter jacket, which I am I am here for. I am here for that they brought back the starter jacket. Mm-hmm. All right, so the YouTube name 
Chiseled Adonis. How did that name come about? All right. A lot of people have always asked about the origin of the Chiseled Adonis. Well, it all started uh, four score and 28 years ago. No, it was um in my third grade. No, it was third, no fourth grade. I was in fourth grade, and I remember I was going to my uh, elementary school, and there was this younger girl who came over. Well, at the time, I guess we were all young. I don't want to have R. Kelly challenge over here, but it was, I was in the fourth grade, and the girl came, and she was like, oh, you're cute, and you smell nice. And up until this point, I have never received a compliment like that ever in my life. So I started to feel very good about myself, extremely confident, gassed up my own head. I went back to my classroom. I had my feet up on the desk. And I remember my uh, my teacher at the time, Miss Esposito, I'll never forget it. She said, why are your feet up on the desk? And I said, so-and-so said I was cute. And her direct response was, so you think you're an Adonis or something. And at the time, I didn't know what it meant. So when she told me, it was like, oh, the Adonis is, a, I think it was a Greek god of beauty. And I said, you know what? If that's the card you're going to give me, I'm going to hold on to it. And I held on to Adonis. And when I got to high school, I started to get in shape while playing football. So I considered myself the chiseled Adonis. And it used to always be my password. And by the time I got to uh, um, college, it became my username. And I figured when I got into comedy, I'd need myself a stage name rather than just my, you know, my, what's on my birth certificate. So I figured, why not go with the chiseled Adonis? And here we are three years later, and it sticks. And it is a memorable, distinctive nickname. You're not going to forget the name Chiseled Adonis. And you also have a regular guest called the Unchiseled Adonis. Yes. Um, that, that being my brother. <laughs> uh, what was What is your favorite thing about working with him? Because you've had to work with him a few times. What is it like working with your brother and these kinds of things? Oh, it's absolutely hilarious every single time because we do nothing planned. Almost everything that I do is... Um, very spontaneous and extemporaneous in how I, I deliver it because I, I don't write any scripts. I don't have anything planned. I just turn on the camera and I just go. And the great chemistry that I have with the unchiseled Adonis is uh, when he doesn't know, know the camera's rolling, everything works perfectly. And then the minute that he sees that it's on, I have to insult him to bring out the, uh, to bring out the authenticity inside of him. So it's always fun uh, uh, to record between the two of us. You also do – your primary thing on the channel is is highlight commentary for football where you do sort of like an NFL primetime type deal, but you, there's a lot of anime references. There's sound clips. It's, it is the most wacky, bizarre thing, and it, it is hilarious if you haven't seen it. So how did that come about, and what was – when was that moment when you thought, you know, I think it might have something here. People really enjoy this. It started, I believe it was Christmas Day 2016, because um, me being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, it was uh, the battle for the AFC North title. And it was on um, it was on Christmas. It was the Baltimore Ravens versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Antonio Brown scored the game-winning touchdown when he extended the ball over the um, the pylon. And I remember at the time I was on um, it was my first year uh, doing comedy, especially on social media. And I did a commentary video on it on that particular play. And it got 56,000 views. So I figured, all right, I did two other videos, but I never did a compilation of every single game. But I always had it in the back of my mind. And I thought to myself, why don't I do, you know, full games? And by the time the 2017 NBA Finals came about, 
I recorded a commentary video for each individual game, and collectively, it got over 100,000 views in the five-game series. So once the football season rolled around, I said, all right, I'll do um, isolated uh, clips because I wouldn't be able to do every individual game. That would be, you know, it would take up far too much time. So the very first opening night of the football season, I believe it was the Patriots taking on the Chiefs. And James White stiff-armed somebody. And it was off camera. So the commentators didn't really acknowledge it. I took the video directly from Twitter which was, it was recorded, it was a recording of a recording. So it was terrible quality. And I put it out and it got 2.3 million views overnight. And once I saw that, I said, you know what? I, I think I'll, I'll probably set it up like an NFL primetime sort of situation. And I compiled maybe two minutes of uh, uh, highlights. And it was all, it was not even in chronological order. They had the first clip, I think it was like the fourth quarter. And then the third clip was the, the first quarter. So it was terribly put together. But when I put it all out there, I got 21,000 views. Then week two, uh, I got 36 and it started to slowly climb. And then by week three, when I knew I wanted to make it a staple on the channel, it was the Rams taking on the 49ers on Thursday night football in week three. And I figured, you know what? I'm not going to wait to compile all the clips. I'm going to do an isolated commentary video just for this one. And it got 450,000 views. And I said, you know what? I'm going to make a series. And here we are now. What is your favorite part about making this series? Is it the feedback? Is it the actual process? Is it the jokes you get to splice in? What's the most satisfying part about making those? I Initially, I would say the recording of it because I sit here – with a mic in my hand, and I, wa I watch the clip once, and when I watch it once, the very first thing that comes to mind, I just say it. I don't give it any second thought. Whatever comes to mind first, I go with it and I roll with it. But I should say, right now, the most satisfying thing about the entire thing would have to be the feedback to the videos, and just seeing the comments that I always get, because it's always something different. Some people have their favorite portion of the videos, whether it's the sound bites or it's the certain sort of joke or the taglines or even the highlights themselves. But just seeing the unique um, comments and especially dealing with like Nick Folk or something, people will always put a very uh, a unique response to something in the video. I always get a kick out of it. Yeah, and one of my best friends is a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and his favorite part is the uh, We Dim Boy SpongeBob thing, which, 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 which cracks us up every single time we see it. And it's it's so ridiculous. Uh, what is your favorite recurring joke? Because you've got the dreadlock Bible verses, you've got uh, the the Nick Folk missed kick, and then it's like, damn, I can't even finish a national anthem, and this guy threw a pick. Like, it was your what's your favorite uh, uh, one of those? Let's see. I I would have loved to say. Uh, well, by far, um, the SpongeBob Cowboys is easily my favorite one. Uh, but the the Mick Pick Six is probably coming in right at second. I'd say that the, the Pick Six is coming at second. But number one overall, it would have to be the the SpongeBob for for the Cowboys. That that is just because like the picture and the tone, and if you haven't seen it, like it, if you just look, it's that SpongeBob chicken meme for those of you who haven't seen it. And just the way he talks, like, we damn boys, we got deck, we got Zeke, threw up to X, we go into the Super Bowl. And it, it just it just matches the meme, and it's hilarious. And I feel bad for Nick Folk, because you put him on retirement, and then you had to unretire him, and then he started missing kicks in the AAF, and 
It's like, oh, why you got why you got to do Nick Folk like that, man? <laughs> it was a Thursday night game, um, in 2017, and they played against the uh, the New England Patriots, and the Buccaneers. For all it was worth, they were in a position to win the game multiple times, or I should say, take the lead and keep the game somewhat close. And ultimately, it came down to the final possession. But Nick Folk missed three field goals on that day, and I believe he missed an extra point as well. I was watching that game. I remember that. Yeah, so he just kept missing. And every single time, because the only kick that was pretty much meaningless was the one before halftime because he was kicking from 56 yards out. So that's understandable if you missed that one. But a 31-yard field goal after a very impressive drive from Jameis Winston, he missed. I think it was another 30-plus yard field goal earlier in the game. And it was every time he went to go line up to go kick a ball, everybody in the stands, all of the Buccaneers players were all holding on to their helmets, hoping that he would go out there and make it because there was this large uncertainty with this man kicking the football. And it because that, in, that, that inconsistency was there, I figured I got to go and get him. Yeah, and then it became a recurring thing where you would like list all these humorous things that you would rather do than have him as your kicker. Like, I'd rather run a nude marathon in Antarctica than have you as my kicker, which I think was a... I can't remember which one that was, but I remember that one was really funny. Uh, you also do isolated clips of just fights or MMA things, and you do commentary to that. Uh, what What is your favorite one of those that you've made? Like those isolated clips of just a fight that goes wrong or a disrespectful thing on a basketball court. It's like, what inspires you? It's like, okay, yep, I'm using this clip and making a video out of it. Uh, easily it would have to be uh, just shock value. Sometimes there's some shock value that's there because if it makes me jump, I'll say, all right, I, I got to put this out there because other people, they may not have seen it. And to add to it, I could put a comedic relief behind it as well because it's already funny, but I feel as if, if I put my commentary, it can, ampl- it can amplify it um, further. But as for what was my funniest one in recent, I'd say within the past three months, my favorite one would have to be the, um, the, the, the one that I did on the boxers getting knocked out. And I added some sound effects to it because one guy got punched and he started looking as if he was a horse that was neighing. And while I was recording the entire thing, it took way longer than it should have been because while I was adding the sound effects, I could not stop myself from laughing uncontrollably. So I'd say probably boxing is of all of the, um, the isolated commentary regarding sports. It would have to be that. He hit me so hard, my soul left my body. I I laughed so hard at that. Uh, Speaking of shock value, have you seen the new New York Jets uniforms? Yes, I have. They are not getting good reviews. Not at all. What are your thoughts on that? Because I'm looking at this and it's like, what, what was wrong with the Jets uniforms? There was nothing wrong with them to begin with. And it's just like, why? Why would you do this? They didn't need to change the uniforms. And more importantly, they look as if they're a fusion between Michigan State and uh, a Marshall um, University. It's very confusing. I'm not sure what they were looking to do because the black jersey, it's like a midnight um, sort of situation. The green, I did not like it. I'd rather them just use the other one that they had because they had it wasn't necessarily an iconic jersey but there was nothing wrong with it you can always add an alternate but don't change the entire makeup of your jerseys that's just very weird 
And it wasn't a good fusion. It was the bad fusion where they had two fingers and he became fat Gotenks and not regular <laughs> Gotenks. And it was, I mean, it is just getting crushed online. And it's like, oh, I feel so bad for the New York Jets fans. It's like even the uniforms is like the Jetsiest thing yeah. I, I've ever seen. But at least, at, least, at least the Browns are finally getting rid of those uniforms next year because they've already announced 2020 they're they're getting uniforms back. So congratulations on hitting 100,000 YouTube subscribers. That is a big – when did you find out that you crossed the 100,000 mark? I believe it was in uh, December prior to – Prior to Christmas, if I remember correctly, I think it was prior to Christmas. That's when I found out because somebody actually messaged me because I didn't pay any mind to it. The last time I had looked at it, I think I had 93,000. And uh, I figured, you know what? I'm not going to pay it any mind. Who knows? Given my track record, it, I'd get to 900. I'd get to 99,999. And then I get my channel terminated. So let me not look at it. <laughs> so I just figured, okay, and then somebody messaged me on Twitter, and they said, hey, congratulations on 100,000. So 100,000? I went, I'll go look at it, and I saw I had passed it two days prior. And then once I saw that, I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And I had to reach out to YouTube because uh, you apparently you have to reach out to them if you wanted to be verified. And the prerequisite is to have 100,000 subscribers. So I said, hey, I have 100,000 subscribers now. I'm not sure how this works regarding the verification. But if it's now an option, I would like to see if I can enable that. And then later that day, I got verified. Did they send you, did they send you a plaque? Yes. I had to uh, – because initially when you passed the – 100,000, they send you a uh, notification that says you're eligible now for the uh, the YouTube award. I actually didn't get that notification. So I had to, once again, manually reach out. Like, hey, I have 100,000. I'm sure there's a plaque that comes with this. And they asked for my, uh, they sent me the uh, the information I had to fill out with my address and everything. Then they sent me the plaque and it came in uh, last month. Uh, where Where's the plaque now? Where'd you decide to hang it? I actually don't even have it hanged. I kept it inside the box because I want to buy um, one of those, uh, uh, like a border or something or, or a case to put it inside before I hang it up. But it's a pretty cool plaque. I must say so. It's a pretty cool, it's cool, cool plaque. Yep. 100,000 YouTube subscribers. That is quite the milestone. Congratulations for reaching hey. it. Uh, what is your favorite? What was your favorite moment of the most recent NFL season? Like it has to be. And I remember, and I remember hearing about this. The day that this happened, it was my brother's wedding, and I checked my phone, and Vontae Davis was trending on Twitter, and I was trying to figure out why, and then I found out, this dude quit his job at halftime of the Bills game! Mm -hmm. What? That has oh. to be the most insane moment in, in the NFL that I've heard in a long time. Where were you when you first heard it, and you made a standalone video complete with its own song? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I made the uh, I made when I when I heard the news, I was in Atlanta for a wedding, actually, myself, too. So I was in Atlanta and I was watching the Chiefs take on the Steelers. So it was week two. And then all of a sudden, the same sort of situation. My phone is buzzing with all these. I'm like, wait, Vontae Davis retired at halftime. I'm like, where, where, why is it Vontae Davis out right now? So I went and I looked. And I was looking at what was going on in the game, and he wasn't on the field. Apparently, there was no reports of him just being in the locker room. And then right after, I saw, Loren I think it was Lorenzo Alexander gave an interview saying, oh, I can't believe, you know, he would just walk out at halftime. 
And then they heard the word that he was retiring. I said, I could not pass this up. This is the funniest situation I've ever seen in my life. That is the lowest hanging fruit of all time. Like, you had to do it. Complete with a really funny original song. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't mind me, I'm just going to get my things and leave. It and then, of course, you had to keep making jokes about it on the uh, week two video. Hey, Vontae, why do you keep looking at the locker room? Uh, <laughs> what is... Is there even a, a second most funny, outrageous, you have to be kidding me, this can't be happening right now? Like, that has to be the clear number one. Yeah, that's the clear number one. Um, number two, perhaps it would... Maybe the Miami Miracle uh, against New England. Yeah, that was that was that, that was, a, that was a, a moment where your eyebrows never stopped raising and they stopped when it entered your hairline. Like it was one of those situations where you see the pitch from um, Devontae Parker. Now it's in the hands of of Stills, and then it got into the hands of Kenyon Drake. And you're like, okay, he's cutting towards the middle. Surely somebody's gonna stop him. And then you see Gronk. And I think once. Everybody saw Gronk in the position where he was at. It was one of those, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And he got around them and went into the end zone, and they immediately cut to Belichick after they were celebrating. And it was just I could not stop myself from laughing. I couldn't stop myself from laughing either because I have a friend I went to college with who's a Patriots fan who just went dark for, like, two days after that game, just didn't talk to anybody. Like, he, he couldn't believe what he saw, and then, of course, he popped up after, he won, after they won the Super Bowl, and he, hasn't, yeah. and he hasn't said anything since. So you are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and it has been a wild offseason for you guys, from Antonio Brown growing a Hulk Hogan mustache, getting traded to the Bills, then not getting traded to the Bills, now he's on the Raiders, and then Le'Veon Bell left. Uh, how, do you ex how do you assess the offseason so far as a Steelers fan? Well, uh, a lot of, in the very unconventional way, I should say, my analysis of it is it, it's good for me. I'm happy that they were able to get those two, you know, officially out of the um, the locker room. My only, the only issue that I had with um, all of the drama was just the lack of communication between individuals. Because it seemed like every single time a problem would arise, rather than talk to each other directly, they would all go to the media. Stemming with Big Ben starting to talk on his a radio show to Antonio Brown replying to people on Twitter who said, hey, I don't think you'd be that good without Ben. Hey, trade me. Then you have Le'Veon saying, oh, uh, we're going to come back to the um, we're going to come back to the, the team and then not tell his offensive linemen. Now the offensive linemen are talking in the media. It just seemed like everybody was dealing with the media. And now the head the head cases are pretty much gone. So uh, thus far, I'd say for the offseason, I'd give it a plus. Um, a small plus at that, yeah, well, but a, a small plus. You still had James Conner, who after week one, you were flooded with, oh, who needs Le'Veon Bell hot takes? Like, they were yeah. they were everywhere after that. And it's, it's really unfortunate just from, like, a talent standpoint because they were two of the three best players and you lost them, but Pittsburgh will be fine. They've got Juju and they've got James Conner. It's not like they're gonna. It's not like they're gonna crater and you look up. It's like, wait a minute, we're one and thirteen and gonna have the number one pick next year. Like that's not gonna happen. Uh, yeah, because they have one of the most talented rosters, you know, in the NFL. Because although you lose all world talent in, in Antonio Brown, who's a top three receiver in the league. Because in my opinion, it's a number. It's a one tier. It's between DeAndre Hopkins 
Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, and you can shift them how you'd like, but they're all pretty much number one, in my opinion. The only reason why I give the nod to A.B. is because he's done it consistently for six years, and it's only comparable to Jerry Rice. Nobody comes close when it comes to the numbers. But you lose a guy like that, and then you lose a guy like Le'Veon Bell, who was producing through the air and also on the ground at the best percentage in the league. So now that you take those away, the only positive that I look at it as you don't need to keep feeding the ball and force feeding it to one person. Now Big Ben can diversify the ball in different directions. So that that's why I look at it as if it's a plus and then you get rid of the distractions. I'm just hoping they can add pieces defensively because that's been the Achilles heel for the Pittsburgh Steelers since 2011. It really has. Uh, you also recently launched on your YouTube channel a comedy sketch that's from what we showed at the Ziploc bag uh, called Black and Brown Films. Uh, what went into that and what is your goal on that venture? Well, with the black and brown films, I've always wanted to do skits. And um, I had done some earlier in um, the years of my channel, but I've never had somebody else who I can do them with because uh, people's availability all the time, it changes. And a lot of people didn't have the same sort of vision. So with the black and brown films, there was a guy that I met. Um, through um, he actually slid in my DMs on Instagram, of all things, and then you know reached out. We met each other. We talked, and then he see he had very good energy about him, and he's also an actor himself. So I figured, all right, we can make this work. And I I love the Chappelle Show growing up. I enjoyed Key and Peele, and that's kind of where we get our inspiration from from those two sort of shows and how we can do kind of sketches. And put them out there. So ultimately, our goal with the channel is just be able to, you know, create unique skits and uh, put them out there and really make people laugh. If we could end up like a Key and Peele, that'd be phenomenal. Yeah, it really would. Uh, speaking of Key and Peele, have, have you seen the Us movie? Yes. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. It's going to be in town in a couple weeks, so I'm going to go check that out. So as a non-spoiler review, as someone who enjoyed Get Out, uh, what, what would I think of Us? Um, well, if you enjoyed Get Out and going in there, the expectation would be high. But um, for from my opinion, I was kind of let down because they gave it such high sort of uh, reviews going in. And I, I went in there with, a, you know, a large expectation. So I, I, I kind of felt it was kind of an anticlimactic sort of situation. But going in and watching us, I would say... You've got to be able to pay attention to every piece of the movie because everything is connected from start to finish. So going in there, go in, uh, probably walk in with no expectation, but be very, very attentive to what you're seeing on the screen. So the best expectation is to just walk in blind like you know nothing? Just pretend like yes. you've never heard of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Get Out was an interesting was an interesting movie. Uh, I didn't really understand like the subtext and the context until like I talked to a few friends about it. I'm like, oh, okay, like that that's what this means. And have you had conversations like that when it came to these kinds of movies of people who don't understand the subtext and the context of what goes into Get Out and Us? Yeah, I have. I've had a few people who, uh, like, there's certain things the way they won't catch up or pick up on. So then when you start to go back and forth and talk about your experience 
versus their experience watching, then you can really bounce off and see, you know, it's really come to a true consensus about how you feel about the movie. That's why I kind of enjoy these kind of movies because it creates such a great conversation. And it comes from the Key and Peel guy where I, I don't think a lot of people would have expected that he would produce some of the most awful movies of the last couple of years. That you know, the, One of the guys from Key and Peel. So, and he, that guy is incredibly talented and he is... I, I can't wait to see what he does in the future. Yeah, me too. I'm excited for him. Uh, so we are taping this on Friday, March 5th. By the time, wait, April 5th, excuse me. Friday, April 5th. And by the time this comes out, WrestleMania season will be over. And you're a wrestling nerd. I'm a wrestling nerd. You're, you live in the New York, New Jersey area. And you're going to all of the WrestleMania events. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, is there one that you're looking forward more to than the others? I would have to say WrestleMania for sure, because initially every year I went to NXT um, Brooklyn four consecutive years, and there was NXT, SummerSlam, Raw, SmackDown, all the other um, the stuff. But I've always looked forward to NXT more than the WWE pay-per-view, but for this particular year, given it is WrestleMania, and it's my first WrestleMania, just the whole pay-per-view and the production of WrestleMania, I'm so excited for this. Is there a certain match that you're looking forward to the most? Uh, Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. That's going to be, in my opinion, that is the main event. Because initially I was going to be... um, Happy for the uh, the Becky Lynch versus uh, Ronda Rousey, but then they added Charlotte to the match, which I wasn't too opposed to. I felt as if it could have just been a singles bout, but now that they're there and um, it's winner take all with all the belts, it's very enticing. But just the story of Kofi Kingston leading up against Daniel Bryan and seeing how everything played out, and then he had the gauntlet performance before the Elimination Chamber, and then the Elimination Chamber performance. Oh, I'm just so excited for this. There's just so much emotions tied into this match. And and they built and they built this story from from nothing and for all of the crap the WWE gets about not reading the room and not listening to what the audience wants. He read that room and he read it brilliantly because this the the genesis of this whole thing is because Mustafa Ali got injured 8 days before yep. the pay-per-view and they needed a replacement. So they picked Kofi Kingston, and it would have been really easy for them to just say, okay, kid, well, not kid, he's been there for 11 years, okay, Kofi, you were a short-notice injury replacement, that's over, you can go back to doing your New Day stuff. But they didn't. They ran with it. And this has been such a beautifully done storyline, especially if you listen to the way Byron Saxton talks about it on commentary, about how he's had to work twice as hard to get half as far, and people like us don't get these kinds of opportunities. All mm-hmm. I can think is, please don't Booker T Triple H this. Please, please, please <laughs> don't. Please <laughs> let him win. Yeah, they need to right their wrongs for that one. Because for me personally, watching all of these kind, especially this kind of storyline, I always find it enticing because when they play on the racial undertones and you play on like a gendered undertone, you have to give the right payoff in how you present it. Because if you present it as if it's a it's a fight from the dirt sort of story. You really get everybody enticed and on the edge of their their seat to see what's going to happen. So seeing how everything happened and every single show they put Kofi through just a ridiculous array of, of challenges that he'd have to 
to get over and then even utilize the New Day as a group into it as well. So it wasn't just Kofi individually. They had Big E and Xavier. I just love the way they built the entire thing because now I, I never find myself so invested in certain storylines. But with this one in particular, I'm 100% here for it. I am here for it too, especially like the Kofi Kingston. When Kofi Kingston got replaced, he wasn't the one that was vocal and upset about it. He let those two do the anger for him. And he didn't say a word, didn't say a word, until he finally said, what do I have to do? And then he won the gauntlet match, then lost it, and then Big E and Xavier had to had to win him back in it. And they finally, in the go-home week, they finally played on what they should have done from the beginning, is the irony, or the hypocrisy, that Daniel Bryan was in that exact same spot five years ago. He yep. was the B-plus player. He was the guy that was getting screwed over. He was the guy that wasn't getting the chance. And they acknowledged it last week of, you're scared to fight me because you know how this story ends because you were me. And you know this is only going to end one way. And I I popped when they, when they finally did that. It's like, yes, they acknowledged it, they said it, and it's great. But Kofi Kingston has to win. But I was going down through the card, and it's like, are they going to like give us all of these emotional payoffs in terms of Brock Lesnar losing, Daniel Bryan losing the championship, Becky Lynch winning... Like, they can't give us all three. Like, we're going to get burned up at the end of the night. Yeah, somebody somebody is going to uh, um take the loss. And I personally believe, I think the, the person who's going to lose is going to be uh, Rollins. I think Rollins won't beat Lesnar. I don't know what it is, but I feel as if they're going to have Lesnar defeat the entire Shield at WrestleMania. Well, I think that's probably going to happen too. But also, you have to figure out where you're going to put these things on the card. Because if you put the Kofi Kingston match too close to the main event, we will have had this big, we will have had this big, uh, climactic, cathartic, let it out, and then we're going to be burned out, and then we're going to have to come back down and then go all the way back up by the time the main event comes around. So it'll be interesting to see where they stagger these things on the card. I don't, and it's, it's 16 matches, which is too many, mm-hmm. but... It's going to be a fun, entertaining WrestleMania, and I am here for it. Yeah, they just got to make sure, like you said, they have to they have to section out the card the right way because in in the WrestleMania 30, when the Undertaker lost, it took all of the air out of the arena. And I remember I was in college and I was watching it. I couldn't even enjoy seeing Daniel Bryan win because I was just so shocked at what I just saw, and it didn't wear off for days. I was just sitting there like, all right. This just happened, and then the, uh, I think that was the year that the Ultimate Warrior passed as well. Yeah, it was. 2014. So it was just so much stuff happening, I couldn't even genuinely feel great for Daniel Bryan. So in this situation, I, I don't know what they're going to do. And I, again, with just how they're going to section the stuff out, because Kurt Angle's going to have his goodbye match. And I, for the life of me, I refuse to think they're going to go through with it actually being Corbin. I feel feel as if Cena's going to come out and fight against them, or somebody's going to come out and fight against Angle. I don't think it's going to be Corbin, but somebody's going to make a return. There's going to be a ton of different pops. They just got to make sure they don't have it to where the, the tail end of the show, everybody's burned out. Uh, well, they might be anyway, because it's projected to be, what, a six and a half, seven hour show? And you're going to yeah. be sitting there for a while. People's energies are going to ebb and flow, but if I was booking that for the Kurt Angle, Baron Corbin thing, just have it be a squash. Like, have Kurt Angle beat him in, like, I don't know, 15, 30 seconds. Like, no, 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 that's not good enough. I need a real challenge. And then John Cena comes out 
And if you're going to go Kurt Angle farewell, then you got to go like 2003 Thugonomics John Cena walks out. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but that would be the most apropos way to end it is just get John Cena as he was when he first out came out against Kurt Angle. And then when he walks out to just bring back the doctor of Thugonomics for one day for Kurt Angle. That's, that's all I want. It's like, please Santa, give this to me. It would be perfect. It, 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 it would show the entire story and close a chapter. And then on top of that, having Cena be the one who inducted him into the Hall of Fame. Just so much stuff. It, it's so... It, and it just kind of writes itself, and it, they should do it. You're also going to NXT TakeOver New York, right? Yep. Uh, what is your... Uh, what are you looking forward to on, on that night? Because it's going to be a busy weekend of wrestling for you, and it, it, it looks like you guys are going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be real fun and I'm always excited for NXT because they always put on the best matches. And I did something different this year with how I was going into NXT. And it was all by accident because I haven't seen um the an NXT showing since I'd say about a month and a half. And the last show that I saw was when the Velveteen Dream uh beat Gargano to win the uh, the North American Championship. So I figured you know what I'm going to do is I'm not going to watch the build-up for the matches, and I just want to go there and just be surprised. But from what I saw from the card, you have a two-out-of-three falls match with uh, Adam Cole and Gargano, so that's going to be absolutely sensational. Then you have Dream and Riddle, so those, those that match is going to be great as well, and I love Shayna Baszler, and I'm happy for that match coming up as well. Pete Dunne and Walter, I know that's going to tear the house down. Wall Raiders and, and, and Alistair Black and Ricochet, that's going to be a great match. So every single match, I think it's going to probably be five stars. But without question, Dream and Riddle, I think that's going to be the match for me that I'm most excited for. That's probably one that I'm excited for. I'm excited for Pete Dunne and uh, Walter because I just started watching NXT UK because I didn't really know who these guys are. And Pete Dunne. Shut up and take my money. Like, this yeah. guy, this guy's great. Like, this guy's great, and hopefully it's a hopefully it's an interesting match. The Johnny Gargano Adam Cole. What are the odds that uh, Undisputed Eric gets involved and tries to screw over Johnny Gargano? Oh, oh, high odds. I expect that to happen. In fact, I actually thought um, this would be the culmination of what they uh, th- their promise in the beginning of the year when Adam Cole said they're going to be they're going to be draped in gold. I figured there would be one. one particular takeover where adam cole's going for the nxt championship or they'll probably have a strong go for the north american championship then you have uh uh, uh, the redragon uh go for the um the tag team championships i thought it would be at a takeover um new york but who knows maybe down the line but i know for a fact they're going to get involved especially if it's two out of three falls the very first fall is probably going to go in the direction of the entire undisputed era coming out especially when uh, when they were together, Gargano and Ciampa DIY beat Undisputed Era in the first round of the Dusty Classic, so that ties into you cost us a chance to win all the gold, so now we're going to cost you to get the gold. Uh, I don't know if they're yeah. going to go that way. It just seems like if I was in charge, that's how I would do it. Uh, before we let you go, uh, he, he's on YouTube at Chiseled Adonis. You can also find him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, he does stand-up comedy. He does oh highlight videos. He's a, he's, a really, he's a really fun, thoughtful guy. And thank you for taking the time out to do this. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm always excited to do things like this, especially, you know, converse back and forth and really show, you know, my personality, not always on the um, on the camera, but just, you know, I'm down to earth guy, you know. So before we let you go, uh, we're going to let you uh, just plug the channel and everything. And do you have any stand up shows coming up in, in the near future? Uh, yes, I do. On uh, April the 20th. I'm returning uh, to the stage for the first time in uh, 18 months because I did take myself a little bit of a hiatus. And now, you know, I'm ready to come back and I'm going to be throwing out these jokes all over the stages of NYC. And I plan on to go on a tour um, next year. So I have to, you know, work and get that all orchestrated. But I'm returning back to the stage here in uh, Brooklyn, New York at the, the BK Estates. If you don't know the address, it's uh, 1819 Utica Avenue, uh, Brooklyn, New York. So if you are in the Brooklyn area or the New York tri-state area, you can always come out and uh, support on April the 20th at 9 p.m. And uh, we'll let you just plug the YouTube the, the YouTube channel. For someone that isn't familiar with, if there's someone who isn't familiar with the kind of work that you do, uh, what videos would you recommend somebody watch to just kind of get a feel on what to expect when they uh, visit the Chiseled Adonis on YouTube? Uh, without question, I would start with the um, the... 2018 Super Bowl commentary, um, the Eagles and the um, the Patriots. That's definitely one that I would watch, and also the three part series of the commentary on the Fat Family. There's that as well, because th those are um, I think they're the highest viewed videos on the channel, but it's extremely hilarious and raw. So those would be the videos that I would want want to watch, and also the uh, sliding into DM series as well. So you can see how you know versatile I am with uh, you know throwing out these jokes here. And I think that's a good place to wrap up. So you can find him on YouTube at Chisel Adonis. You can also find him on Twitter at the same name. He's also on Instagram and Facebook. And for and if you want to check out this episode and other episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you just go to Apple Podcasts, type in The Evan Eichen Show. It'll pop up. I'm also on Podbean for people that have Android devices. And you can also check out the website. That's evaneichen.podbean.com. So thank you once again for taking out the time to do this, Mr. Chisel Adonis, and uh, enjoy enjoy your WrestleMania weekend and have fun in a couple weeks at your uh, stand-up show. Yes, for sure. Thanks for having me. Um, and I intend to have the most fun this weekend and at the show as well, and I'm excited. Yeah, and, that's, and that's the important thing, is just have fun and enjoy doing what you're doing. And, and until next time, Emma Nation saying goodbye. And see you next week.